What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter so come through and big thanks to produce row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels. Helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the sustainability and the growth of this thing. 
appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from, or tell a friend about the podcast, share it on some social media, any of that helps the podcast is available on spotify now and i've also been dropping some monthly playlists there as well every first of the month pretty spread out genre wise and then there's also a bunch of genre specific playlists in there as well so the spotify profile link will be in the episode notes along with the links for the dan cable presents mugs and t-shirts And for my guest of episode 283, super stoked to have Michigander, a.k.a. Jason Singer, on the podcast this week. Had such a a killer chat with this dude, so stoked to share that with you all momentarily. I was uh, really pumped that I got the chance to, to chat with Jason a couple weeks back he is uh such a kind dude and it was very cool to get to know him and and get to know more about uh what drives his tunes and uh what has kind of shaped his career thus far and uh, he is uh such a such a great songwriter and i also found out that there's just kind of some overlap in in some of the folks that i've had on the podcast over the last few months which is cool um, if you are new to the the podcast and you are listening because you're a Michigander fan, I'm excited to have you here. I encourage you to go back and check out some previous episodes if you end up enjoying this conversation. I recently had Wilby on the podcast who uh, we talk about briefly in this conversation. And just after I had this chat with Jason, Michigander announced a show in Nashville in which Wilby is opening up. So that was very cool to see. And uh, when I had this conversation with Jason, he was just hanging out in his car. He had just driven to Grand Rapids, and he was there to see a show in which his drummer was playing in another band. And the band headlining that show was Bad Bad Hats. And I just had Carrie from Bad Bad Hats on maybe a month or two ago on the podcast. So just very cool to learn that some of these folks are running in familiar circles and, and just kind of by coincidence, I've I've had them all on in the last few months. And uh, I'd also encourage you to check out the, the Noah Gunderson episode that came out a month or so back, especially if you dig the Michigander tunes as well as the episode with geographer last week. That was also a a killer chat. Very stoked on the list of guests that continues to to build up for this thing. And particularly this last year, which has been a, a big one for me. I quit my, my day job in May. And so I've been doing this for a little over six months with no nine to five grind attached to my life which has been incredible and uh, I couldn't be more grateful and stoked for how things have shaken out and how this thing has shaped my life and just really excited for uh, what's next and all the conversations to come so big thanks to everybody that continues to support this thing and big thank you to 
to all the artists that have come on and, and all the people that just continue to give me the opportunities to to have this conversation, including this one here with Michigander. Appreciate his team of people that, that helped me connect to Jason and help make this conversation happen. Michigander is getting ready to hit the road with Manchester Orchestra and Foxing, two incredible bands. So this lineup is just absolutely stacked. I would go see any of these bands individually. So just very cool that they are uh, all playing together. So definitely check out the tour dates, grab some tickets. They are playing all over and uh, those Michigander links will definitely be in the episode notes. I'm also going to be doing a Michigander vinyl giveaway for the most recent EP, which is called Eventually Everything Will Be Okay. We're going to be talking about that record a bit during this conversation and definitely featuring some tunes from it. But I was able to find a copy of this sold-out Michigander record a few weeks back at Music Millennium here in Portland, and I picked a copy up for myself, and I was very excited about it. And then I popped in there last weekend and saw that they had another copy in there, and something told me to grab it. And they're on this really cool yellow vinyl, and I just knew that they were sold out and thought it would be fun to do a giveaway to somebody out there that really digs the Michigander tune. So I'm going to give people a week to enter this vinyl giveaway contest, and I will announce the winner on Friday, November 26th. And all you need to do to enter is either share this episode of the podcast on Twitter or Instagram. You need to follow both Michigander and myself on whichever media platform you choose to share it on and tag both of us in the post and I will pick a winner out of the bunch and somebody will get this everything will be okay eventually vinyl record so stay tuned for that very excited to send this record off to somebody and excited to share this chat if you are a Portland Oregon local and you want to see some free live music here you can uh, hit up Produce Row Cafe here in southeast Portland every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. and every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. usually DJs or singer-songwriters down there this coming Sunday November 21st Allison Self will be there and then November 24th little uh, party on the eve of Thanksgiving small skies will be doing a DJ set and that following Sunday Vanport will be there spinning vinyl at Produce Row Cafe the links for Produce Row and all the other sponsors will also be in the episode notes hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving out there we're going to get into episode 283 Michigander is on the podcast and we're going to kick it off with the first track off that everything will be okay eventually EP and it's called better let's do the damn thing
All right, man. Well, I am stoked to have the opportunity to chat with you. I love your your songs. And, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I I think I just stumbled upon your your music from looking up who was coming to town, and I saw that Manchester Orchestra foxing lineup and saw your name on there and i was like oh i gotta find out what this michigander stuff is about and better was the first track that i heard and i was just hooked in right away with your your lyrics and Uh, your point of view through the music thank you thank you i'm stoked for that tour it's kind of a dream come true yeah man Um, and i'm also super pumped that i found this today at music millennium here in portland oregon this uh everything will be okay eventually vinyl that was at a record store yeah man oh that's so cool that is honestly such a cool thing i never knew that i i knew that there were like some spots in michigan but to know that they're across the country that's really crazy i was super stoked about it because i know from looking a couple weeks ago when i found out about your music that that record sold out online so i felt even yeah even better about my my score there yeah that's (laughs) awesome no that's genuinely very cool i'm I'm geeking out right now what's it like to be uh playing music in front of people again man um so we just got back from 40 days of touring and uh it was crazy to be gone that long after not being gone at all for a year and then we got to play and then like you know, the last tour we went on really kind of sucked. Like, we were playing to, like, empty rooms or, like, 12 people. And, like, if there was 15 people, I was like, yo, that's awesome. We've never been here before. My managers were like, that's not really that good. But <laughs> cool. I'm glad you're happy. And I was like, yeah. So um, to go back out and to be touring again and to be doing what I I was made to do in, in a way is how I feel sometimes, um, fulfilling some sort of purpose that um that felt really good and especially this time like we played like a lot of shows over the course of 40 days and none of them sucked like there was always like around 100 ish people minimum or more in every city and uh and i think we might have made money this time i'm unsure <laughs> talked to my business manager this week and so i'm excited to find out if we made a hundred dollars or two maybe um and so um yeah, and just to like we sold out of merch really quickly, and it was just like, oh, this is crazy. I've never experienced any of this, which is awesome because it means we did a pretty good job working during a pandemic. Yeah, because before the pandemic, we we didn't tour too very well, so now it's like I feel like things are working, things are building, and uh, yeah, it was fun to be out, but I'm excited to be home for a little bit and then go out again in the spring with Manchester Orchestra. What do you think is uh, like the explanation for that sort of response where you are selling all this merch every night and, <laughs> and people are showing up to the shows and, and stoked to, to hear the music? Yeah, I think well, we released an EP between the last time and this time and then it had a lot of radio love and charted, a couple songs charted, which is crazy to say. It's something I never even thought about happening. Um, and then we just had some good people just caring about what was going on i guess and uh i guess they're following along when they, all they were do is glued to your phone for a year you find new things and you find new people and i think a lot of people found us in 2020 and so yeah i don't know it was cool to get back out there and see a bunch of new faces yeah that is a 
a positive perspective to have on the pandemic and what it maybe gave people more time to explore art and find new music because there was a lot of folks who were just locked down and and didn't really have much else to do with your time so you know it's as you get older and and life continues to to move move quickly past you it can be easy to kind of fall off on what's happening musically so yeah it's uh, it was cool to just it was just cool to i don't know it just was neat to see people singing every night like being in like salt lake city and having like a room full of kids that are just like singing your songs and waiting in line in the rain just to be up close is like kind of a weird feeling that i don't know if we even are supposed to experience we shouldn't be allowed to experience that (laughs) but um we got to and so it's, it's very cool very cool I was just watching some of your Lollapalooza performance. <laughs> yeah. Was that the by far the biggest crowd you've ever played to? It was it was definitely one of the big it was definitely the biggest crowd that was fully engaged in what we were doing. We've played for like fifteen thousand once or twice, like some big for some big things and but this was the coolest. Like I mean there was probably eight thousand people there who were like knowing the songs and like kind of like in it with us from the top of the set to the bot, like from the top to the bottom, like people were in it, like they were ready. They were there. And it was just like, how is that real? I remember like walking off stage and like literally crying and being like, how did that, that just happen after, I don't know. It was just crazy. Okay. It's your turn. Loud as you got. I got Yeah, it was wild to see how many, you know, specifically with uh, a song like Let Down, and I saw the, the video for that, and to see how many people in the crowd were singing along with you, and I also just think that's the a great thing about your songwriting is that the hooks allow you to be able to sing along by the end of the song, even if you've never heard it before, I think Thanks, is, yeah. is often what I walk away with. I try to make accessible music, but that still has some artistic merit that I believe in. And usually that if it's singable and it's campfire tested, I think people can get behind it. And so, yeah, that that's a it's an interesting thing that we can get people to sing songs they've never heard. And I feel like I need to get back to that when my writing. I know when I'm starting to stray away from that, the songs don't get as good. But as I'm like refocusing, it's trying to make songs that are cool for everybody. They're cool for your mom and they're cool for your kids and they're cool for you too. So I just think that's like the kind of music I want to make. Yeah, I think that's a, a special thing when you, I mean, I guess that's in some way the the definition of like pop music and it being yeah. able to hit such a large range of people and such a, a wide age range. Totally. And for all of those people to, to get something out of it, maybe different things, but still be yeah. able to be in a room or a big outdoor space and enjoy it together. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. As far as you, you speaking to maybe campfire tested, does that mean that most of the songs get written on an acoustic guitar and that's that's where they, they start? 
Yeah, I think most of them, the best ones do. The ones that people, um, the ones that people like come back to me and say that song meant a lot to me or that one. It was the song where I was like laying in my bed after a day of trying to write a good song. And then I just write this little thing that just flows out of me. Like I have a song called Misery that like really changed a lot of things for me. And that song was just like done in 30 minutes. Like I just sat down and it, there it was kind of thing. I mean, obviously there's tweaks and stuff, but like the bulk of that song was really quickly. But songs like Let Down, they took, that song took forever. Like I had the chorus done. I had that bridge for another song and just like I had all these parts. And then one day it just kind of all clicked. And then I wrote the verses and had the chorus. down situation where you really have to wait for it to to come together and be able to fully realize the vision for it yeah as long as i i I have to have a balance if i have like songs that are taking forever i need to be able to be working on other things like i have this one song it's called parties and i've been working on it since i mean for as long as i can remember i mean there's a demo probably from like my first iphone of it and then there's like another iphone version of it and it's a song I just can't figure out, but I think it's just this brilliant song that the whole thing to get, like, I just can't figure out what I'm trying to say and I can't figure out how to, how to make it work. I'm hoping one day it'll be done, but, um, but like, that's a song I've been working on for over five years and, uh, I'm really excited about it, but I don't know if anyone will ever hear it. I don't even know if I'll ever hear it, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as long as I have, other, in a sense, like working on that, like I can be patient and be like, "There's no need to rush this." If I'm, as long as I'm doing, if as long as I'm, there's some other, like something coming out, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you obviously hear something special in it, even though it's not completed. That you want to keep going back to it. Yeah, it's, I think about it all the time, and now I like, haven't thought about it in a little bit. Now, on my drive home this evening, I'll probably listen to it a million times <laughs> and try to figure out what's wrong with it. But yeah. Is that something where you will uh, maybe consult with somebody else, bring in another set of ears to, to help you complete something like that, or is that not really your style? I used to hate writing with other people, and in the last year or so, I've had some people reach out about writing with me, and I just was like, eh, whatever. But they were like very good at what they do, like making a lot of money and kind of famous people, and I was like, oh, this is, yeah, sure, I'll write a song with you. I don't know how it works. And it was cool to just be in a room with people who are really good at what they do and they're loads better than me at writing and being successful. And so I got to learn a lot. And so now I'm kind of in this phase where I I hope it's not a phase. I hope it's like a long-term accompaniment to my normal lifestyle, but of working with other people. Uh, I think maybe I've swung a little bit too far towards relying on other people. And on and, and the way here, I was literally thinking about this is I want to like kind of find a happy medium of being able to just work on my own and not rely on other people and also rely on other people sometimes. So I'm trying to figure that out, that balance. Um, but yeah, for this song specifically, 
I think I've tried to bring it to a couple friends who I trust with it, but now I just feel like it's so me that I just need to finish it on my own in my own time. Um, I hope it, I hope it's done sooner than later. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talk to me, help me, uh, Help me piece things together, Jason, of how we get to this point of your career with everything will be okay eventually and uh, how this all started back where you grew up in, in Michigan and when you started playing music. Yeah, so uh, short story long, I moved, or maybe, I don't know, maybe vice versa. I lived in Midland, Michigan. There wasn't really much of a music scene there. It's like a small town in like middle middle of the state um and i just played music at church and learned from all these older guys about how to play i was like a teenager like 12 or 13 or something and i was like these old guys play guitar i want to to play guitar (laughs) my dad had a guitar in his closet some old one of these dudes gave me a uh, a chord chart poster that i would lay out on my bed and try to learn the songs um, and eventually I just was like, I want to do music. I want to do music. I don't know what that means, but I just want to do music for my job because I didn't want to go to school anymore. Uh, um, so like in like later years of high school, I used to like go off to a city called Mount Pleasant, Michigan, which is a college town where Central Michigan University is. And I was like, I was like a senior in high school, maybe first year out of high school. And I would go there. Um, and not tell anybody. I would just tell my parents I was hanging out with my friends. And I would go to like the bars there and play open mics. And I would play. Um, and eventually they were like, do you want to play these four-hour cover sets in the corner while people <laughs> eat? And I said, it pays? And they're like, yeah, you get 300 bucks or something like that. And you only have to play four hours. <laughs> hours. And I was like, and they're like, we'll give you dinner and we'll pay you like three or 400 bucks. And so I was just like, yeah, I'm in. So I would just go out to Mount Pleasant every weekend and play at some random bar. And that's how I was like making money. And eventually um, I started writing my own songs and playing my own Michigander shows. And then there was like this weird blurry period where I was like playing Michigander shows and doing these bar sets. And I was only making money from the bar sets, but it was very. And then once I started making money from the Michigander things, it was like, I don't really want to do these bar sets anymore. Because I remember we played like a huge show it was like a huge michigander show and i was like dang i can't believe that happened can't believe we made money can't believe there's all these people that are knowing my songs and then the next night i went and played a bar in a corner just with my acoustic guitar and it was like detrimental it was so discouraging and i'd be like this sucks i'm not doing this anymore yeah and so then eventually just became into the michigander thing um, playing any shows we could, trying to build, gain fans anywhere we could. It was kind of this whole thing about, I think it's different now. And so if anybody's, if there's any like new musicians listening to this, maybe this isn't the right path anymore. I really want to clarify that. Um, but I think when I was first starting, I think it was really, and also like I've, I've not, I have not arrived at all. I have such a long way to go. And so keep that in mind too. Um, I, when I first started, I would play like any any show we could get and we were trying to build like markets so like cities of trying to sell like 200 tickets in all these markets so like if we could sell 200 tickets in Grand Rapids then we could do 200 in Detroit we could do 200 in Lansing we could do 200 in Kalamazoo and then we're like okay let's work on Columbus let's work on Indianapolis let's work on Chicago let's work on Davenport Iowa let's work on Madison Wisconsin 
And we're just kind of like, these are our cities we're trying to like build up a fan base in. And so that was like the goal for so long to kind of create this little network of fans and touring. And we were doing anything we could to get to those cities uh, to open for whoever, a local band, a touring band, anybody that we could do just to make friends. And I think that really helped, helped, helped like create what we're doing now, which is, in, I, I haven't really reflected on this much, but like getting out and touring, even just for a weekend, going to Pittsburgh and like Cleveland for the weekend and then coming home and trying to build these, like these, this, this fan base everywhere we went was so beneficial even now because like someone's like, Oh, I saw you play a house show in, in Indianapolis and you, now we're coming to your other show and buying a ticket five years later. And you're like, Oh, that is so cool. And like these people are and like, even with Chicago, I posted about this, but like our first show in Chicago, we just, I, there was this website called like do DIY. Yeah. Yeah. Familiar with that site? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a thing anymore, but I found this. I just think I unlocked a memory for some people. <laughs> uh, but I think, uh, I remember finding this house show place in like north, in like north side of Chicago, and this girl was like, "Yeah, I host house shows. Come out and do a house show." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Went to do this house show. We played for eleven people, and that was like 2015. And then we just kept coming back, doing everything we could do. And then like a couple of weeks ago, we sold out Lincoln Hall, which is 500 amazing. tickets. That's so like, amazing. It's we were for us back then, and I don't know if it's the same thing anymore. It was all about how where we are today is just because of touring and like maybe not extensive touring maybe just building up little cities and being like this is like a second home to us and it really was like chicago has been like it's not in our state and we have people that care about us there um so that's why i think lala was so special was looking back on that is because chicago has been a place for so long that we cared so much about building and then we built it and being a and being a midwest kid I would imagine that that's just like such a huge deal. Oh yeah, crazy. It's like it's like our little New York, you know. Right. Yeah. And uh I don't know, there's something special about playing those house shows like you're saying and actually getting to connect with people. I feel like those are the shows where you where you really get to meet and hang out with people whether it's 11 people there or 50 people there. Totally. I think like we tried to take I mean, the band has always shifted. So, like, the one thing I've tried to take from those, like, my experiences back then is, like, okay, we really connected with folks back in the day. How do we continue to do that when we're playing for, like, these bigger rooms and maybe festivals and stuff? It's just kind of – maybe it's a little different this tour because we, we toured in, like, a, a pretty close COVID-safe bubble. But normal times, like, I just love meeting everybody and and, like, being very personable. And, like, I don't know. It's just cool, like – I, it's crazy that people care about what I'm doing and I want to show them that that means a lot to me. So any way I can help or like show reciprocate the love, you know? Yeah. Were you always pretty comfortable sharing your feelings through the tunes or did that take a while for you to get comfortable being on stage in a room in front of people waiting to hear what you have to say? Yeah, I think that, I think, okay, so for a long time, I was always really comfortable making the music and writing and saying what I need to say, but I was really uncomfortable with certain people hearing it. So, like, when I was first writing music and, like, recording it and putting it on Bandcamp under, like, Jason Singer or whatever my projects were at the time, I wouldn't post about it on Facebook or anything 
and I wouldn't want my family to hear it. I was just like, I need to wait till like I'm I'm in it, you know. And so like until like 2018, that's like I was not not a lot of people heard my music, like in my family and my close. I mean, some of my close friends did, but like I was kind of like secretly doing this thing. Maybe maybe because I was I wasn't embarrassed, but I was like. I was like, I don't want to say I'm a musician until like I am a musician. I don't want to be that guy. Um, I want to like have something to like show that I'm what I'm doing is working before I um, I'm trying to figure that the wording out. Before I like say like, yeah, I'm a musician. And then like, what do you what do you have? And I go, well, nothing. So like it took a while for me. And then once like I had some like success early on with Spotify and like with a song called 90s that really just kind of took off on very unexpectedly and so from there it was like okay i kind of got a little bit of cred <laughs> but i don't i didn't want to i didn't want to like i wanted to be sure of myself and what i was doing before i would like put in other people's faces staring up in the windows down same old city still driving around The only place I clean my mind at 7-Eleven in the neon sign. Did any of your uh, your apprehensiveness towards wanting to share with like friends and family have to do with lyrical content? Because I feel like throughout the the catalog of tunes, you're pretty forward about your emotions and and you're often you know it's often these bummer tunes or these underdog type feels (laughs) yeah I don't think it was that so much I think I'm like I'm continuing to be a lot more honest in how I feel in my lyrics and then like it's a little scary sometimes because I don't want don't want any I mean it's just weird you know because people can kind of put things together and figure out what songs about who and what songs about what. Um, I think a lot of my like apprehension was like, I read this, I think it kind of went back to this interview I heard with the national and they were talking about how, when they were first starting, no one cared and they had all this time to figure themselves out. And they had all this time to like, there was no real internet presence around bands and like they were sharing a rehearsal space with Interpol in Brooklyn and Rolling Stone and everybody was coming to see Interpol and the Strokes were in the building and everyone was caring about them. And then there was this little band called the national and, um, and they had, and no one cared about them at that time. I mean, they sure had their fans, but like they had all this time where there was no cameras on them, no nothing. And they were like grinding and they were trying to figure out like, what do we sound like? What are we, who are we as people? What's our aesthetic? What's our, this, and so I think I really, when I heard that, it kind of clicked with me. Like, I just need to like figure this out before I start putting it out. And I and I really think like that was such an advantage of like, I don't know if that's possible anymore. Because like when I was first starting, it wasn't that long ago, but it is definitely a different time than um, than now. Because I feel like, like I could like, when I was first starting, like it was fine to like put out a whole album if you wanted, or like wait and just put out an EP. But now people and like new bands, they just have to like go. Like you have to be putting out music consistently if you want some real traction with it. 
and like there's pros and cons to that it keeps you like fresh and it keeps you on your feet but it also like I mean you hear the same thing about tv shows it's like a lot of tv shows don't find their footing until the second season and so a lot of times so much is riding on these bands first releases and their first songs and then they get discouraged um and I'm just I just feel I'm very fortunate to have come out like come out as a musician in the like just the right moment uh, for what I'm doing. And maybe there could have been a better time and maybe I would have adapted otherwise. But I feel like for me and my personality and how I do things, I could just really got lucky. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. Like there's something good that happens when it takes a while for something yeah. to gain traction. Like I can't imagine being an artist and you put out your first tune and it suddenly just hits heavy and blows up and then all of the expectations are based around that thing and maybe you weren't ready to even move forward from that that first release yet and you weren't prepared in any way to yeah figure out like what your brand was or your career right. goals or whatever you know it's yeah it's interesting because it's like even like looking back because like some of the first interviews i did are awful like just so bad and well, lots of the ones that I hosted early on were pretty awful. So, okay. like I used to do like some radio things and like, and I would listen back to them and be like, oh my God, this is horrible. And so it's just like now, like thinking like, I always had like this little bit of delusion where I was like, I'm ready for, I'm ready to play SNL if they called. And like, I was not ready. I don't even know if we're still ready to do that. I mean, we, we could maybe, but like, I'm just glad that I have all this time to like, and I still haven't like I like I said I haven't arrived like we have we are we've come a long way, but we're nowhere near where I want to be, and we'll get there eventually. But um, I'm all about the long game, and so being able to take my time and it's exciting, you know. So yeah. I'm really I'm just really thankful for where I'm at and how I've gotten here. Yeah. Do you think it was pretty important for you to have that time period where you were playing? those four hour sets, even though you were playing a lot of covers, do you think that just like really helped your chops as a guitar player and being able to just look completely comfortable up there in the singing and playing and leading a band? I think it just made me try to think. I think it just made me, it kind of humbled me because like I, I look back at like my first shows and stuff nobody cared like nobody cared i'm like a, i'm not a cool person at all and i definitely wasn't a cool person back then and so now i feel like there's so much this emphasis on being cool that when you try it doesn't really work <laughs> and and like and maybe it does for some people but for me like that just never resonates and so i'm just trying to be like i just want people to be genuine and I think that kind of like playing to a room of strangers that do not care about you and did not come to watch you and are just want to eat their just want to eat their pasta <laughs> and drink their craft beers like they don't those people did not care about me. And the coolest thing was when you would win them over and make them care about you. And they weren't expecting to have that experience that night. Um. And so looking back on those kind of things, it's just like that really helped me win over crowds. And like even on even on some of these nights of the tour, 
we kind of took things for granted. We were be like, okay, that, okay, Denver sold out. They were in our, we got them. Cool. Mm. And then we would go to Portland or somewhere where we had like a little bit of a smaller crowd. And it took a lot of work to win them over. Like we don't, we don't, we don't automatically walk in the room and from now on and assume like these people are here for us. They're, we're going to kill it. We got them. We have to like work for them and we, we have to earn, earn their respect in there. And I mean, they already bought a ticket, which is really cool, but we want to like earn, earn their time. Like they're spending, they're spending their time on us. We want to like earn, like earn that. So, I mean, especially like looking forward to like opening for Manchester Orchestra for a whole month. It's like those people are not there to see us for the most part. There are people that are going to be like there totally, but like the majority of people aren't there for us but we hope by the end of the show they're like with us and so we're just kind of hoping hoping for that yeah man be who you are don't pretend who you want to be it's not yeah. easy <laughs> picking up the pieces picking up the social cue I don't have a reason to feel the way I do another step forward definitely one of my my favorites oh, off uh, the most recent record and yeah man that song speaks to to loneliness and maybe the importance of you know of knowing that being alone okay and being lonely is is okay you know and totally. sitting in that space um yeah can you speak to the relevance of that to your own life experiences and maybe where that tune kind totally. of derived from um I mean, the song, that was one of the few songs I wrote during 2020 and during COVID. And so obviously I was lonely, uh, even though I had two really great roommates at the time that we were all kind of stuck together. It was weird not seeing my family. It was weird. You know, a lot of that was weird. And so, yeah, um, I used to be a really lonely person, um, but I kind of enjoyed it. And I mean, in the last year or so, I met who's someone who's my fiance now and she's great and it's a wildly different life um feeling when you know you found somebody and i never had experienced that before truly you know i may have thought i did but like it makes all those other potential relationships or relationships look really ridiculous now when you find the right person and uh yeah uh I still get lonely though, but also I'm, I'm really, I'm really someone who enjoys a little bit of a long time. Like I loved, I drove two hours today just to see the show and I'm going to drive two hours alone back to where I'm staying. And I love it. I love those little moments. Cause those are the moments where I can just listen to the war on drugs and cry. <laughs> and those are the moments where I can Hell yeah. put song titles in my phone that I'm thinking about. And those are the moments where like I have the most clearest thoughts. And so, Especially like this drive from Grand Rapids to Midland is where it was like this drive that I've driven my whole life. And I feel like every time there's like this shift in my life, the war on drugs put out a record. And so it's always like, oh man, they just put out a record. What's going on? 
And so like you on the way here, I was like literally sobbing just listening to their album. And, and then, uh, yeah. Yeah. And and then you have like the time capsule of that drive too. Yeah. And how how it's it crazy. changes I mean, each their, time. Their, their last record they put out like a time where I was doing my first solo tour. And it was this whole big moment in my life where things were changing in the band mm. and things were changing personally. And I remember there was this guitar solo, track five, and I had it on CD. And I remember every time it came on, I would cry during the guitar solo. Um, I need to get better at song titles. I don't ever remember song titles. but uh, <laughs> Neither, neither <laughs> but do yeah. I at this point. I think it's too hard, especially it's with everything being remember. digital. And you like don't see anything like on a, on a disc player or anything like that. I'm sure like all their songs are just called Dreams and Magic. <laughs> Different types of things like that. Escape or something. Escape the dream. That's every war on drug song. It's it's cool though when you have those artists that have been around for a while for your for yourself and you get to see like how you've grown with as they've grown and like oh, totally. what you're going through at different points of their releases. Yeah, the national and the war on drugs are definitely those bands for me. Like I just, they've always just released records at times. When things were changing in my life, and uh, and to have those records like a comp- like and I listen to them, like you said, those are just time capsules of like those emotions, and uh, yeah, it's cool they just put one out, and uh, things are definitely changing in my life, which is cool. You know, being so being that the the subject matter of the tunes can be be heavy at times. It seems like you know letting go seems to be a constant in in some of the the songwriting and you expressing yourself uh about that through the tunes um does harping upon subject matter ever make it more difficult for you to move on from something or let go of something especially when you know that you're going to have to continue to maybe sing this song night after night is does that go through your head at all um that's a good question i think I think the craziest thing for me is that like I don't sometimes don't remember what the songs are about. Like like after they come out and after like it's been a while. It's like I have to be like really think and be like, what was I thinking when I wrote this? Um, but I think I'm I'm someone who really thinks big picture and I'll and I definitely have days where I'm really down, like really low and it's not great. But I always have to like take I have to have those days and just like get it all out of my system. Maybe it's a week even or a month or more where I'm just like I have to like write in my journal and say be hundred percent honest with how I'm feeling emotionally, even if it's scary, you know. I need to write it down, I need to like get it out. And then and then like especially if I write about it, it just kind of gets out of my system and then I can move on. Like like even when the shittiest things happen. Um, oh, can I swear? Yeah, you can. This? It's a okay. it's a censor free cool. program, Jason. Okay, cool. You can say whatever you like. <laughs> okay, I I don't normally cuss in interviews, but I guess I'm just a rock star now. Hey, it's, um, getting, it's getting wild yeah, here on uh, this I'm episode of Dan Campbell might Presents. Even say crap <laughs> or ass. Um, Whoa! <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Um, he no, was but, so um, edgy on that particular interview. He was so there. That's what they're gonna say. They're gonna say he was so edgy. In that so particular edgy and vulgar, interview, <laughs> such a rock, rock and roll icon. Um, <laughs> far from it. Um, but I think it was just really good for me to get those things out of my system and kind of think like, yeah, this sucks, but 
in the end of the day, it's the best move. And it's like, it's, it's showbiz <laughs> is what I always say when things suck, but you have to do them or you have to get through them. It's just like that's showbiz. And, um, that's a term I've all, I mean, people say it all the time, but like, I really say that a lot when, when things don't go well or you have to pay somebody something you didn't want to pay them and all this stuff and like all these things, you know, it's just showbiz. And so life is showbiz and, uh, excuse me, but, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, doesn't bother me to, to kind of dwell on them for a little while. And then if I put it in a song, it's kind of like letting it go. And then I don't, the songs don't really make me that emotional later on. I think by putting them in the song, it kind of like takes them out of my brain. Mm. And so, yeah. 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 Well, the, the lyrics spoke loudly to me, like I said, from the first time I heard one of your tracks. And I, I think I, I think I knew right away that as I dug deeper, there were going to be a lot of moments throughout the songs that kind of fucked me up and made me yeah. feel things. And I, I think about the last two tracks on Midland, which, uh, stolen is one of my favorite yeah. tunes. And, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, man. And it's not always that you're, you're like saying new things, mm-hmm. like things people haven't said in the past. I think it's just your, your delivery of the words and delivery of the message that, that seems to really hit home at times. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I try not to be... I try not to get too in the way of what, what I'm saying. And I never want to be too... Because I'm, I'm just not a very articulate person in general. Um, and so it's hard for me to sometimes achieve that high academic art <laughs> when I'm writing music. But I, I mean, like that's, my, that's, that's sometimes what I go for. But, um... I never hit it. And I think that's like kind of how a lot of us are, is we really want to be something, but we should just be happy with where we land with it. And I think that is kind of lyrically where I, I stand a lot of times. Nice Just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Mussels and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. 
I was uh, I was trying to do some digging on liner notes for things, and I I was not able to find too much. So, um, yeah. So with like Midland and the record that follows that, where do we go, where do from, we go here? from here? Um, are those self produced? There's a guy named Jake Rye who's kind of done all the music that I've released. He's done Midland. Where do we go from here? Everything will be okay eventually. And we've started to work on a little bit of new stuff. We'll see where all that ends up. Um, and um, he's just a really good friend of mine. And uh, he's kind of took a lot of what I've done and produ- we. It's a co. It's a co-production job, but he definitely is as far as like pushing me and helping me get to where I need to go. He does it. Um, but uh, yeah, his name's Jake Rye. He's great. He lives here in, in Michigan in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it's great to go there and record music. And um, a lot of my friends have ended up going there and we're recording with him at his house. There's like a studio above his garage that he actually just moved from. So he's, he's in a new space. But um, yeah, he's a he's a guy who just has really captured exactly what I'm trying to do and was the first person I found to help me get it out. And it's it's been awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm honored to have been able to work with him for so long and, uh, I'm excited to see where him and I will go next. And he's always making great music with great people. And, uh, yeah, he's a great dude. Are you pretty hands-on with the actual engineering or mixing of the records? Uh, Jake is the mix guy, big time Jake. I, I always have notes and everything, but Jake is, an incredible engineer and incredible mixer and producer. And he just does a really good job. And Jake usually gets what I'm thinking pretty quickly. And it's also because we've worked together for probably five years now. And so, wow, that's crazy to say out loud. And, uh, um, we've worked together for a long time. And so he just kind of understands what I want and what I want to do, which is usually good. It's, um, and and also like the guys who play with me are like my drummer he he's been playing with me since eighth grade and uh, Jake and other guys they come in and help my old roommate Jared has played on some stuff my friend Megan has sang on some stuff um, yeah it's just been a lot of cool people have helped out make the music happen and so it's all been just friends it's all friends that's Aaron on the drums yeah Aaron Senor yeah what's it is that a trip for you then for especially for you two being that you started playing music together so young and now you're you're touring all over the country to play music it's weird guys especially the other night i just like looked back at him and we were playing to like 650 people and i was just like they were there to see us it was a detroit end of the tour headlining show and i'm just like or even at festivals, I'll just turn around and be like, this is nuts. You, like, <laughs> just take this in. Like, we are here. We're playing at Lollapalooza. We used to play in your parents' basement in Sanford, Michigan. And now we're in Grant Park in Chicago playing for 8,000 people. And it's crazy. It's a really weird feeling. Um, he's one of my best friends. And I'm so thankful that he has stuck around. I'm actually seeing him tonight. He's playing drums with my other friend. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just must be wild to just know that your music is connecting to people in in large numbers and continuing to like build up and 
it's been cool. I'm just, I, you know, if it all ended today, I'd be really grateful. Um, but I hope it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the uh, with the where do we go from here record, that one seems like you uh, there. There's some some darker undertones on that record a little, and it feels like it's a little more weathered and you kind of like speak to tiredness and poplar with the the first yeah. track um that that whole record was very intentionally one-dimensional hence like the black and white theme for it all and i think like that record was like like we used the same guitars the same amps the same synths and the same kind of tricks for all the songs and like and it was like very like the first song poplar is about like growing up and it's about doing like you getting to that age where being around loud bars and loud people is like not your thing anymore and and your friends are all moving away and your friends are all finding their own paths and you're just still doing the same thing you because you've always i don't know like i've always been really sure of what i wanted to do and all my friends were around and then around that time things were changing um and then misery was just like a song about like that was the one that just popped out and that song is just about like being uncomfortable and finding new people and then reds was about a friend of mine who went through like a crazy mental breakdown and um and i didn't see him for a month and like that was nuts and circles was literally like i don't know what to do after this i don't know where to go from here <laughs> and i don't know like what the heck is going on and I'll just be patient and, f- and hopefully figure it out. And if not, I'll just quit. And then 94 is about um, also like trying to figure it out and your parents are getting older and your brothers are getting married and you're just playing clubs to nobody. And yeah, that whole record is, I I love those songs so much. Yeah, um, man. I think it's my favorite thing I've released maybe. And, um, but then that, that whole EP like changed things drastically too. So it was like, this, it was the moment where I was just like, I'm giving up, I'm giving, everything's done. Um, if it works, cool. If it doesn't, no problem. And then it worked and I was like, oh, cool. It was like that moment where I was very freeing where you just are like, okay, whatever, whatever happens, happens. And you just throw, throw it all on the table. And if it, and, and like, if it works, cool. If it doesn't, oh, well. And it, it ended up kind of changing things, which was like a cool personal moment for me yeah especially you being so stoked about that collection of tunes and yeah that's just one of those those records front to back where there's just a lot of moments that i look forward to in each song and with oh, a thank tr- you with the track like 94 um was it important for you to do something maybe a little more stripped down on the record being that you were kind of diving even deeper into the production more than you ever seem to have with that that collection of tunes yeah i think i'm always trying to like think of i always try to write a closing track and i think that the vibe of that was just i had this idea and then i hit up ben lester who lives in uh wisconsin he plays uh pedal steel and piano for bonnie Vare and uh, a couple other like the national and hippocampus and just false manner just a few decent bands Cool, okay, band. And I hit him up. I was like, I'm a big fan of what you do. I don't know if this song speaks to you at all. 
but if you'd want to play on it, I'd love to have you on it. And he's like, yeah, this is great. Let me, let me, and he, he played all this beautiful lap steel. And, um, yeah, I love that song so much. Yeah, man. And I have that in my notes is just that your closing tracks are on all the records are just really well placed and oh, thank you. very thank impactful you. endings, especially with 94 and the picture you paint with that one is, is just really beautiful of you talking about your your family dynamic shifting and just the mind fuck of like your parents getting older is a is a weird thing and kind of understanding your own mortality in that as well yeah yeah that, i love that song i wish i i feel like that song goes a little unnoticed so thanks for pointing that one out easily one of my favorite in the catalog of tunes thanks, from michigan thank you yeah. um it, it's, it, yeah, it's a song you can't just listen to that anytime I understand <laughs> don't understand. put that one on at a party yeah definitely don't it's like alone driving home from Grand Rapids song my brothers are getting married they'll be starting their family while I'm out on the road Mom and Dad keep getting older I can't ignore it I can't give them the shoulder Cause they love me so much And I love them more I'm so sorry that I wasted my time Well, I'm so sorry that I wasted my time So was there any different sort of approach being that you have worked with Jake a lot on on the previous records, was there anything different about going into everything will eventually be okay? Um, I think that record, like it just, it was, huh? Um, I think those, we just spent a lot more time with them. Like we were, we were like very fortunate to have like like that was like a silver lining. Is like we had this thing done, we we're gonna put it out, and then like everything happened in the world. And so we said, let's just sit on it and work on it more. And so then this version that originally was going to come out, I mean, it's pretty similar, but there's so much more to it now because I just got to like sit at home and work on my computer on it. And like, it was the only thing I was focusing on. I wasn't trying to write songs. I was just like, let me just work on the songs I already have. Because if I write songs, they're just going to be really reflective of this really terrible moment in time. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to have 10 songs about how much the president sucks and how much all these things are terrible in the world. And so, I mean, that's all I was writing and it was sucked. It was just depressing. So I was like, I'm not writing anything right now. I'm just going to work on these songs that already had kind of work like done. I'm just going to make them greater. Uh, and so I, I think that, t- that, t- that extra time really, really did a difference for me and those tunes. Yeah. It seems like there's a dreaminess that's tapped into with uh, some of the productions on that one that hadn't really been explored in that way. Yeah, It's very reflective of like, 
I lived in Kalamazoo that during that time for a couple years, and I had this like the it was the first time having like a room that was like all mine. Everything was set up for me to like if I had an idea, I could just go sit. Everything was hooked up and ready to go, and I could just create. I never had that before, and so I think like having that was such an advantage of capturing a lot of songs that maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten captured. Because before I never really had like a desk and like a space and like a little studio. Like I just like didn't have a closet. I just put all my stuff in the closet and put all my other clothes in like a little dresser. And um, yeah, the closet was just for music. And uh, it was just this cozy room that I I miss so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just love the relevance of the early line on better of just always being on your phone and how that makes you feel less alone. And I think that that's like something that many people can connect with like at this point in the world, you know? Yeah. Big time. And, uh, yeah, there just seemed to also like with the track, like Saturday, it seemed like you kind of hit this new ceiling for how heavy and big the sound could get. Yeah. It's been the coolest song to play live. We opened up a pit at two of the shows. Oh, okay. Okay. It was crazy. <laughs> That's never happened at a Michigander show. <laughs> um, so I'm very excited to play that one again. I think where the next show we're playing is in Chicago. Yeah, with the Lumineers, which is crazy. And there's going to be a lot of people there, and I'm hoping we can win them over. Hope we can win over those Lumineers fans with the mosh pit. those Lumineers fans are going to really appreciate the, the opportunities to sing along with, uh, with yeah. the tunes. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping we can win a bunch of them over. I really love the Lumineers. Um, I really, they're like such an important band to me. They were like one of the first big bands I saw in an arena. Okay. And that was when their first record came out and I was like, whoa, this is cool. They just have acoustic guitars and fedoras and they're winning over this massive crowd. <laughs> this is cool. But I really do uh, admire them. So it was exciting to get to play a show with them. What do you dig about the the EP format opposed to making a full-length record at this point? Yeah, I just don't think I'm there yet. I mean, I think of all my favorite debut albums and it's like, it's crazy. Like you, my favorite ones are like Parachutes or Hot Fuss and like all these huge records that are debut albums. I'm like, I don't, I can't write those songs. I'm not there yet. I don't have a yellow. I don't have a uh, Mr. Brightside. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm going to do one more EP. That's the plan. And then, and then I'm going to, then I'm going to venture into the full length. And uh, 
Yeah, I'm excited. I think the EP is also nice because it's just like it's only it's only five six songs, and it kind of gives them all an opportunity to live these lives, you know. Yeah, I think definitely more attention gets put on those for sure totally. when you, when you uh, totally. have the opportunity to like the EPs. I I just want to like listen to them again when they're over and go right yeah. back at it. They're all pretty relatively short. I think I think they're all less than thirty minutes. Um, which I'm really excited to, I have probably have enough songs to do a full length for this next one, but I just, am going to do a EP and, um, maybe release some bonus tracks later. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I think you're going to wait to put out the full length when, when you're ready to put that parties jam out. I think that's going to be know, the I, symbolic I, that, that, of, that's of something the... I've been thinking about during this conversation. <laughs> that's a great, op- that song be the opener to the full length record i can't wait, I can't wait. <laughs> who's somebody that uh has had a big impact on your on your journey that you've maybe like met along the way that have maybe just kind of informed how you want to operate as a, a person or as an artist yeah there's a couple people that have been like um like the first person who comes to mind is a guy named mike mains He's an artist from Michigan. Now he lives in Nashville, and he's always kind of been like an older brother to me, and like a a mentor of sorts. Um, and like he's always been so supportive of what I'm doing, and that's been really cool. There's another guy named uh, Thad Cockrell from Nashville. Yeah. Um. He he's recently become a homie, and we've had lunch a good amount of times. And he just every time we hang out, he just really says a lot of things that really make me think and reshift my focus. And then uh, recently Andy Hall has been becoming like a friend, which oh, is that's amazing. crazy. Like <laughs> we text weekly and we have, we've been working on some music and, and we're touring with them. And he's like one of my all time heroes. And to be like talking to him, like to be talking to him and have him like be in my corner yeah, is crazy. And, I told him that yesterday, and then he sent me a Jiminy Click video, uh, who's Martin Short comedian thing. Um, but yes, he's like, he's like, thanks. Now watch this video and laugh. And uh, yeah, no, but like, there's just been a lot of. I realize I've been really fortunate to have a lot of people who are a lot better than me be around me, and I get to learn from those people. Mm. And so now, like, I would not be where I am without Mike and all these other folks. And. There's so many different people. My friend Jax, she has a band called Flynn Eastwood, and she's been like, it's now oh, yeah. she just goes as Jax Anderson, but, but Jax has been like huge instrumental to who I am and to like learning about things. And I don't know, there's just so many different folks, and I want to be that person to new artists and people who are just learning because I would not be where I am without them. And I, want, and I don't I don't have it all figured out. I will say that over and over and over. Um, but I would love to be like a little bit of a guiding light to some people who are just starting out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And must be cool to know that you're going to go out with Manchester Orchestra yeah. and for you to have this relationship with Andy. It's not going to be like you're the opening band on this tour that never has an, any interactions with right. the band headlining the thing and the impact of their music on yours and whatnot. And I got to hang out with Andy and Rob in Atlanta and work on a tune and they are just so great. And I was like a little starstruck 
for like the first five minutes and then I was like, oh, these guys are just like homies now. So now it's like totally that whole feeling is like gone away and they're just like they just seem as peers. But it's just so cool. Um I don't know. That's just a really cool thing for me. Yeah. That yeah. dude is such a such Andy's such a killer songwriter. So that's oh uh, one like that's literally one rad. of my all time favorites. And so just to be able to connect with him has been really cool. Yeah, and I know Thad's name because I had this artist named Wilby out of oh, Nashville. Oh yeah, she's so good. I I love her music. Yeah, I had her on the podcast maybe like a month ago, and yeah, and they wrote that song "Mush." Yeah, and that whole he produced that whole EP that she put out recently. Oh so, really? Oh yeah. cool, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's great. He's a good dude. Well, I know you got to get out of here, Jason. I know you're gonna go link up with some people go see some music and then you have see this some rock and roll this baby. two hour drive back that you're gonna do some crying to <laughs> the war on drugs and yes, think about how wait. you're gonna put this parties track into the the first ever lp from can't Michigander. wait, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> lots to pack in there but yeah man i can't say enough great things about your music and i'm very happy that i stumbled Thanks, upon it and that it's a it's a part of my world now it's something i've been listening to often and throwing on my playlists and i'm very excited to see y'all when you come through portland in february i'm looking Heck forward yeah. to that show quite a bit uh, foxing is another band that oh so i good. dig so, so much good. so dan uh, thank you for caring about what i'm doing and wanting to talk to me that really does mean a lot you have no hey, idea i uh, i appreciate your time and i care a lot and your music impacted me and and spoke to me and i definitely want to play it out with headlights that's maybe my favorite track on uh everything will be okay eventually collection of tunes i co-wrote that with jake lamont who's my guitar player and uh that was a song it took forever to finish but uh i love that song yeah Hell yeah. I'm going to put the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with Michigander. Maybe browse your local record stores. Maybe you'll find a a lost copy of uh, Everything Will Be Okay eventually. And uh, grab yourself some merch and uh, check out Michigander on tour. Um, We end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, It's a program. So if we could get the Michigander, it's a program. We can properly sail this thing out, Jason. Yes. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's Mich- That's Michigander, and uh, we're playing it out with headlights from that everything will be okay eventually record. That's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, Michigan, wherever you are listening from. Would you meet me in the middle? If I gave you all my time We could try to make it simple But we'd probably lose our minds Well, I'm staring outside the door And I'm looking down the street Waiting for your headlights To stare back at me Well I I can't get over you And I Don't think that I want you 
to distro kid for their support of this thing and make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with distro kid making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that and the link is also in uh the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to distro kid. Stay up, stay tuned. <laughs> 